The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. It came here, the Fandom Nexus. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Yes, hello, I am back again for another return trip to the Fandom Nexus. Here with you, I'm glad you decided to come join us. I know we didn't have a show last week there with the... with the New Year's holiday and uh, Christmas holiday, I, well, I had a bit of a cold, so I decided I would take the week off. And, uh, you know, in previous years, we've done, like, the year in review, and it's like a three-hour marathon. I just didn't feel like doing such a thing. And I don't know. I mean, really? Do we need to do a big year in review like that anymore? I don't know. I thought for something different, maybe we, we just, we don't do that. Maybe we'll just take a week off, and y'all take a week off. And we just, well, I guess you all need a week off, but, but you know, but a week off from the show. You know, just take a little break, you know, recharge from getting out of the previous year, charge up for a new year, getting ready for all the things coming along, which, uh, you know, I don't know what else is coming up this year. You know, there's a lot of things to look up. I mean, I got stuff I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, mainly Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, that's the main thing. You know, I'm, I'm taking it a month at a time. Uh, I haven't looked too far ahead. Have you about what's coming along? I don't know. But uh, I did have a couple of weeks off a of break. Gave me a chance to watch a few things. Uh, I had meant to try to watch Ahsoka after going through and watching uh, seasons three and four of Star Wars Rebels. I had not finished season three, uh, so I did. I finished season three of Rebels uh, while I was on break and enjoyed it. It's good stuff. Uh, Didn't get a chance to start season four, though. My wife was home for part of the week because she's a teacher, so she gets time off. And she got me pulled into a new anime, uh, The Rising of the Shield Hero. Uh, we're currently watching the third season of it. I got sucked into watching it and started to like it. And so I ended up watching that with her because she came home and kind of took over the TV because I spent some time playing games in the morning and then she goes in there, she's on the TV and she's watching her whatever. And so I just kind of have to get in there and watch whatever she's watching. If I want to watch TV or spend any time with her, uh, that either that or she plays a lot of animal crossing still, uh, when she has some time off, she just likes to sit around and play animal crossing on the, on her switch. So I really don't have much choice of what I get to watch. Uh, I did manage to watch the Santa Claus's second season. Uh, did enjoy that. I don't know if it was as good as the first season, but I did enjoy it. It was nice to be able to watch. It's still still fun. Uh, but it's kind of like the first season felt where I felt like I was getting one overall plot that could have been another movie. Uh, only stretched out into like eight episodes. That's kind of what it feels like watching that. But yeah, I still enjoyed it. You know, It was still worth watching. Uh, I don't have a review scheduled for this week, but I did get around also to watch the newly released Monk's Last Ca- or Mr. Monk's Last Case, I guess it is, uh, on, I believe, was that? That was Peacock. Uh, kind of a extra bonus Monk episode. Uh, the only thing that I had to kind of, I guess they were, they were able to give Monk some different kind of growth, but it felt like at the end of the main series, we had left him in a good place, uh, and then they had to downgrade him back again and make him depressed and suicidal. And I didn't really care for that. I mean, I guess I understand giving him somewhere to grow from, I guess, to where at the end you can resolve all that. But 
I feel like we spent several seasons getting him out of that area just for him to be put back into that place. Uh, similar to what gets done with a lot of our male heroes, Luke Skywalker, Indiana Jones, where we decide we need to turn them into depressed, grumpy old men. Well, and with Monk, it almost makes sense to do it, but I don't know. I feel like we spent a lot of seasons working him out of that area to drop him back in there. But overall, it was enjoyable. I did watch it and enjoy it, so... Uh, I will give it a recommendation. I just, that was still a part of it I, I really didn't care for. But it, I mean, it does resolve nicely in the end. But so does Dial of Destiny, you know, resolve nicely in the end. But it just puts Indiana Jones back in the place where we last left him. And so it's not really any growth, you know. Uh, so if, if you're going to do that, I want the character to progress from a state from where they were last movie, not from a movie, we a place we put him in backwards, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but overall, did enjoy it. Well, so what I've been playing while I was off is I, I sat down and played D Dragon's Dogma because I heard a sequel was coming and everybody said this game was pretty good. I uh, found it challenging uh, as I first getting started because I, I like to play uh, like a magic user of sorts. And I started with a mage. And uh, with a role-playing game, you know, it can be a difficult class to start with until you get really powerful. Uh, you're kind of low level on your, your magic and you really need somebody to, to protect you. And the nice thing about this is you can create your own party and have pawns as they call them that you, and that other people can make some, then I can get one of my own, but I can have somebody with me to be like the tank for me to go and take the damage and fight with the sword while I can stand in the background throwing fireballs at them, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so I did eventually get to where I was at that point and I got through a lot better. Uh, but as the, as you get further into the game, it gets progressively frustrating. I mean, I finished the main game where the main story is uh, you have to go fight this dragon, and that took an hour, which I have posted that video of my fight with the dragon up on the, uh, well, I guess I still call it the Neverland Gaming Channel, the official Neverland Gaming Channel. You can go and watch that if you would like, uh, where I did, you know, like I said, put the entire battle on there. It took a lot to do it, and it took me a while to figure out how to really fight that dragon. Uh, but after that, I mean, there were some extra story things that popped up afterwards, and that's well, so, you know, that's usually worth playing. So I thought, well, let me go and see what it is. And it's a, it's, it seems to be a gauntlet of ridiculously hard boss battles in the vein of that dragon, and uh, they gave me what you would call a beholder to fight with, and it took me forever to figure out even how to hurt it, and I didn't even learn how to hurt it. I just felt like I was getting lucky when I would occasionally hurt it because it seemed invincible to everything I was throwing at it. So... I was like, yeah, this is just kind of frustration. You know what I need to do? I'm getting ready for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Let's go play this Final Fantasy VII Remake again. And so I've been doing that uh, and enjoying it. It's it's just fun. Although part of me, you know, I'm, I've got everything. I've maxed out on levels and everything. I nearly platinumed that game. I just can't seem to get the praise from Jesse on the, a mini bike or a mini game where you're riding the motorcycle with her on the back and you have to not take a certain amount of damage, which I do find up, up to a certain point, and I don't really want to say anything and spoil anything that happens, I guess. Only, although if you were interested in the game, you probably would have bought it by now, I would think. I mean, it's been uh, since COVID this game came out. So uh, there's that, and then there's also a mini-game where you have to do certain button presses in a certain sequence, and you have to gradually get faster, but then it, it hides the button thing so you can't see, and you're just trying to guess at the speed that you're trying to you know hit these buttons. And uh, so those are the two trophies I have not achieved as completing those two bits and winning at those little mini games. Uh, and since I can't win those, those are two trophies I can't get. So I, I'm not going to be able to get my platinum on that. But, you know, maybe in the next Final Fantasy VII game, Rebirth, maybe I'll get my platinum on that one. Uh, but anyways, what my thought was is that I've been playing it and I'm level 50. I'm maxed out on all my weapons and everything. And I had the thought as I've been playing along, it's like, you know, I could have started 
like a fresh game, you know, with uh, starting back at level, I think Cloud starts out, he's like level seven or whatever. I could have done that and, and had the joy of playing through it like that again. But I was like, you know what? Well, I don't have that much time to go through this before Rebirth comes out and I'll probably get the opportunity with Rebirth. But I am curious with Rebirth if it will be able to look at my save files and put me at that. But it's like, oh, but everything's going to also be more, you know, tougher for you, though, because it's a new thing. So, you know, make it a challenge again instead of, you know, OK, you're going to go back to level one again. You know, that kind of thing. But we'll see. Plus, uh, I am curious how things are going to work with the Buster Sword, because with Zach, Zach returning to life, it seemed like he had the Buster Sword again. And Cloud begins the game with a Buster Sword, but eventually you get a completely different sword at the end. And I wonder, you know, I feel like I should start with the weapons I've left off with. I think there are other swords in the original Final Fantasy VII that you could go up to. So I figure, okay, if it'll find my save file, kind of like uh, Mass Effect would, and say, okay, well, here's what you did on your save file. Here's So here's what we're going to pick up from with what weapons you're carrying and that kind of thing, what material maybe you're carrying, that kind of thing, and move on from there. So I'm kind of curious how that's going to work. Uh, hopefully it's not going to be one of those things. We're going to take away all your weapons, you know, like a, like a Metroidvania type of game. Oh, you're going to start out with all this stuff, but then we're going to take it away and then let you re-earn all your stuff again. Taking a sip of my hot cocoa, nice warm drink on the throat is great when you're talking. That's not like an endorsement, didn't it? Okay, but that's pretty much what I have been doing here lately. And uh, we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about here later on the show. But of course, I do want to start out by just a little bit of news uh, that, yeah, this this has been kind of a controversial, everybody's talking about this, but uh, so I figure I needed to do it as well. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Okay, so let's just dive into some some controversy here. Uh, so, and this I'm looking at the post millennial. It says a clip has resurfaced on social media from 2015 showing Charmaine Obaid Shinoy, the Canadian Pakistani filmmaker, tapped to direct the next Star Wars movie, saying. I like to make men uncomfortable. Uh, let me go ahead and I should be able to play the clip right here. What is the balance of activating a force for change, but also trying to permeate that patriarchy, that power structure? And is that a part of the calculation of your art as well? And, and what's been the reaction to that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I like to make men uncomfortable. I enjoy <laughs> making men uncomfortable. <laughs> not you, just, just not, you not, know, you. not, not you. Point not taken, you. point taken. <laughs> but, um, you know, it is important to be able to look into the eyes of a man and say, I am here and recognize that and recognize that I am working to bring something that makes you uncomfortable and it should make you uncomfortable because you need to change your attitude. And it's only when you're uncomfortable, when you're shifty, when you have to have difficult conversations that you will perhaps look at yourself in the mirror and not like the reflection and then say, maybe there is something wrong with the way I think or maybe there is something wrong with the way I am addressing this issue. Okay, so 
what this has caused concern with is a lot of Star Wars fans like, well, we don't need a, a director with an agenda to make men uncomfortable with a Star Wars movie. That And that seems like a fair, legitimate response, doesn't it? Uh, now, one thing, and I, I think I heard um, Critical Drinker, uh, a YouTube channel, I think was being very more than fair on this, saying, well, she at the time, she was a journalist, documentary filmmaker. And, you know, coming if she's coming from Pakistan and all, and she's done stuff about how Pakistani, you know, women are treated uh, in the, well, let's say in the Muslim uh, community over there, uh, women are not treated very well. And there's a lot of examples of different type of things of how it's it's not, it's not good. Uh, I don't want to get into because I don't want to bring the show down, and I'm you know I'm not going to throw accusations, but it, it's it's not good. And yeah, some changes needed to be made over there. And she may be just referring to that. Uh, but her main body of work is documentary. She did a couple episodes of the Ms. Marvel series, but the other the question also Critical Dringer did bring up, and I think well this is also a fair question as well. This is a large franchise flagship style movie, and we haven't seen her really prove that she can handle a big thing like that. And Marvel has recently made the stakes of getting, you know, well, hey, we just need to have women in there. And they're, they're trying to say that she's a woman of color because, of course, the Pakistani thing. But I mean, woman of color, she's whiter than I am. OK, honestly, <laughs> when you look at her. But OK, she, so she's got some Pakistani background. OK, we're going to call her a woman of color. Sure. Uh, so that she's directing a film uh, seem to be forgetting that you've had. A lot of people working behind the scenes of Star Wars and directing in Star Wars series, uh, you know, that there are women. We've had a lot of women shaping Star Wars uh, over the years. And we have Bryce Dallas Howard directing episodes of The Mandalorian and I think doing a fine job of it. I, I liked her episodes. Uh, but, you know, she doesn't have a proven track record that she has made anything that's this big. And, you know, Marvel's pulled in a lot of people and you know, you've got a lot of failures for Marvel with, you know, that they were trying to say, look, we've got a, got this person and got this woman here directing stuff and it hasn't turned out so good. So are we supposed to expect a good movie just because you have a woman of color? And, and But if you question it, uh, I, and I saw this happening on Facebook, there's somebody who was a previous guest years ago that I saw even making comments like, you know, that basically insulting everybody who's questioning this, like, well, wait a minute. Why is, you know, what, they're making a big deal out of this. Like, no, you know what? We really want you to be more concerned about good stories, good characters uh, more than the director. We, we want we, we want that to be the focus, not on like, oh, we're going to get this person to be look at here. Ha ha. Look at us. It should be. Hey, we've got a great story to tell you with great characters. Are you excited about that? Because, yeah, we would be excited on, on a great story, you know. But I don't know. It, it, yeah, that's been kind of the, the stories this week. Uh, and it's kind of gone on. Elon Musk uh, made some comments as well. Uh, here was somebody on uh, on X or Twitter. Uh, well, let me get in there. It's another article also on the Post Millennial. says, while discussing a new Star Wars movie that had recently been announced, award-winning Canadian filmmaker Charmaine Abbey-Chinoy said in a recent review, I think it's about time we had a woman come forward to shape the story in Galaxy Far, Far Away. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy's kind of in that position already. We've had all these. I, I mentioned there's like already been a lot of women's. Uh, but Elon Musk reacted to the news and saying this is getting ridiculous and agreeing that Disney shareholders should file a class action lawsuit for breach of breach of its fiduciary duty. And uh, he was talking to this other person and said at some point Disney shareholders need to file a class action lawsuit. Oh, this is Alex. I guess he might be is, uh, agreeing with this person, Alex. And after several years of repeating these same failures, I think it's reasonable to argue that Disney has officially decided to put its ideology ahead of its shareholders. Uh, Musk and Disney has gone head to head before, it says in the article. 
Musk slammed the mega corporation for not boycotting Meta over ad placement as they did Twitter and told CEO Bob Iger that he would not be manipulated over ads buys. Yeah, he had very specific um, words uh, down there. Um, and this article does go through and list all of the different women who have been behind a lot of Star Wars stuff that they seem to be ignoring because like as if this is a new thing. Uh, so I think it's the way they're treating this that has got some people's kind of hackles getting up. Uh, and uh, I, I think most of us didn't ask for a brain movie. I'm sure there'd be some people who want to see it, but uh, a lot of people are like, no, I didn't really care for Ray that much. So I'm not really worried about a brain movie. But if it comes out when we see a trailer or something, and something that looks like it might actually be good, or we hear some nice things, you know what? We might actually go see it. You know, show me something good. Show me something good, and I might just go and check it out. But anymore in the modern theater age with inflation and the price of going to a movie, especially if you have a family and trying to take your family, it's expensive. And you have the option to stream things now to where the question becomes, is this worth my hard-earned money that is hard to come by? And I'm trying to just make ends meet and keep my family afloat and feed my family. Is it worth it using this money to go see this movie? Are we all going to have a good time? I'm going to a lot less movies, and I cover a lot of movies in this in this podcast. So there's a lot of questions to, to be asked. So now let's look at something that did make a lot of money. Uh, it was kind of a different one. I've got another article. I just saw this here. The Sound of Freedom, according to the Post Millennial, beat out Taylor Swift's Eras Tour film for the top 10 highest grossing films of 2023 in the U.S., now, it says here, the thriller based off the life of Tim Ballard, Sound of Freedom has beat out Taylor Swift's movie of the Eras Tour to be one of the top 10 grossing movies in the U.S. in 2023. Sound of Freedom took 10th place, raking in over $184 million domestically between its July 4th release and the end of the year, according to Box Office Mojo. This beat out 11th place finisher Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, by around $5 million. Taking the top spot for the year was the Barbie movie, bringing over $636 million. Despite being a smaller budget, smaller studio film that placed mainstream media backlash has become one of the highest grossing independent films of all time. And I did see that. We did review the, the movie months ago. Uh, it was a good film and I, it was, I think, worth uh, the Of course, I think we uh, we took advantage of the pay it forward type of uh, method where you can get where you could buy tickets for other people. And because uh, we were struggling at the time. But, oh, hey, we can get tickets that somebody else has paid for. And so we went uh, and I do appreciate that. Uh, but did enjoy that movie, and it is available now to purchase on streaming and various different app platforms. And I, I recommend it's it's a hard watch; it'll break your heart, but it also gets you fired up um, for continuing the fight against child trafficking. So, yeah, I'm mean, definitely worth watching. But that's the only real like news news type of thing that I was going to cover. I mean, the the main topic we're going to get into, we're going to talk about some Mickey Mouse. And of course, y'all know what's going on, but we're going to break it down here for our main stuff. And so that's kind of a news thing, but it's also our main topic. So before we get on to that, I, you know, I do want to go to the trailer park. But before we do do that, uh, I want to talk to you about Debbie, Debbie.gg. Use the discount code at Neverland. I've got a link at NeverlandPodcast.com. Dubby promises you to have energy. It's like a powdered energy drink. You just add it into water. You can get cups and all this other kind of stuff, uh, but you can get a discount on it. But they promise you energy. Without getting the jitters, which is an exciting thing for me. I've even gotten now to where I drink tea and I get jitters. I don't know what's up with that. And I mean, I, I can drink coffee. I'm fine. But for some or another, drinking tea, I don't know, has made me feel off. The hot cocoa that I'm drinking right now doesn't give me the jitters. 
So, but uh, yeah, so W energy with vitamins and healthy things and not going to give you the jitters. That's what they're, they're promising you. So go and check it out. You can get a discount code. If you go to, of course, everlandpodcast.com, find the big W logo and click on it for it to get your discount and find just something good to taste. Now, uh, it's time for us to go to the trailer park. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Get him, Mama. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park. All right, now I'm not sure that I'm going to play this first trailer. Uh, I, it's because it's labeled mature. It is TV, and uh, it is a very violent trailer and everything. And I, I was trying to think back how much coverage did I give to the Daredevil series back on Netflix. Uh, I, I think we did bring it up. I, I Because of the nature that I try to make this show, I don't cover a lot of like, mature TV shows, R-rated films, that kind of thing. Because uh, I try to make this very family-friendly, although we're very retro-friendly, so a lot of stuff your kids can listen to, but they might not understand everything. Uh, but I try, but it's something hopefully you as parents can share with the kids. Now I'm not a parent myself. I have, I have cats and a wife, but, uh, we weren't able to have any children. We didn't choose to not have children. It's just a, a medical thing. Okay. So we're not also, uh, what is the thing I've seen a dink double income, no kids. Uh, that's, that's us, but that's not us. Uh, we didn't choose to not have kids. It just kind of happened that way. Um, but so, but I've, all of you, all, all of you that have children, I want you to be able to share things with your kids. So I try to make a show that does that. Um, but Echo had a new trailer this week and it's the things I kind of want to point out that uh, I found interesting is, you know, apparently she's going to be fighting with the Kingpin again. He's not dead, but he's upset about being shot. Um, and Daredevil popping up to fight her. And I, I have heard that, uh, she has been kind of an enemy for Daredevil in the past. Um, I did see some video where people were, there were some of the fight with Daredevil was, uh, was released, I guess somewhere. And I, I did watch where one YouTube channel went and slowed down to show how kind of badly choreographed the fight was and how the misses were a little bit too much. But, you know, a lot of fights, the misses uh, are, to, to, of course, you're supposed to be making contact when you try to angle it right to where it looks like the hit is there. Uh, heck, I remember even with the Phantom Menace, people were going through and like, here's this lightsaber swing. If those had been gotten not blocked, it would not have hit the person anyway, you know. So they were there's, there's always criticism of that. So... Um, there are some things that do look, look a little bit ridiculous on it, but you know, that's, I think they're trying to find something to hate on it already. Uh, I'm not that interested in watching it, but I might watch it anyway. I didn't see the third season of Daredevil. Uh, I feel like I need to go watch that maybe because it is canon as part of the MCU. Uh, but I didn't get around to watching, um, whatever it was, the defenders because iron fist. I watched like one episode. I watched like one episode of the, um, What's her name? The private detective, Jessica Jones, a uh, little bit uh, too sexual in nature in that first episode. I was like, no, I don't, I don't like doing that. Cause it gets things into my head that I don't want in my head. I mean, I try to live purely and it's, it's, it's not easy, you know, thing, but things get in your head and they, they revolve around there and you don't want them in there. So uh, I, when I see stuff like that, I'm kind of like, you know, I need to, I feel like I need to back away. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't want that in my head. That's, that's how I operate, you know? Um, and I don't like a lot of gross stuff. Yeah. But anyway, so I didn't, I didn't really watch all of that to know what all they've done, but I, I, I figure maybe I should watch at least the third season of Daredevil perhaps before I watch this. I never even got around to Luke Cage. I heard it was a great series and I'm kind of interested to check it out, but I don't know. Uh, but so I think Echo is something I'm not going to watch for now, but I'll probably will in the future perhaps. But that was the first trailer I had, but I don't know that I can really play the audio. Uh, to fit with this show. But I figured it at least needed to be mentioned. But let's go ahead and get in some other trailers. 
Here's one that I couldn't remember if I'd covered this before. Kung Fu Panda Ford. I don't if we've never talked about this. Well, here's the trailer anyway. It is time to take the next step on your journey. I'm not going to be the dragon warrior anymore. You will advance to spiritual leader of the Valley of Peace. Inner peace. Inner peace. Keep your surf off my turf. Dinner, please. Dinner with peas in a sesame soy glaze. This is not working at all. <laughs> tai Long, big fan. Once I possess the kung fu of every master villain, no one will dare question my power. Not even the great dragon warrior. Who's that? The most powerful shape-shifting sorceress, the chameleon. How do I find this, the chameleon? I'm gonna lead you right to her front door. Yeah! It was against an army. Then we'll just have to get an army of our own. What is this place? The best crooks and criminals live here. You're a wanted criminal? You sound surprised. Is it surprising? Now you kids be careful of those fireworks. Violence makes our tummies tingle. Why should we help you? We can take down the chameleon together. Being the dragon warrior, it's who I am. Skip me. What do I know about being a spiritual leader? What is it you're holding? A cookie? You were chosen to become something more than you already are. <gasps> How should we do this? Quick and painless? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or slow and painful? Slow and painful! You finally met your match, Chameleon. We're not so different, you and I. Stand back. I'm gonna kick my butt. So that there is Kung Fu Panda 4 uh, coming to theaters March the 8th. Let me see what it says here at Universal Pictures YouTube channel. It says this spring, for the first time in almost a decade, comedy icon Jack Black returns to his role as Poe, the world's most unlikely Kung Fu master with a hilarious butt-kicking new chapter in DreamWorks Animation's beloved action comedy franchise, Kung Fu Fan. Kung Fu Panda 4, if I can get it out. After three death-defying adventures, defeating world-class villains with his unmatched courage and mad martial arts skills, Poe, the Dragon Warrior, is called upon to, by destiny to give it a rest already. More specifically, he's tapped to become the spiritual leader of the Valley of Peace. That poses a couple of obvious problems. First, Poe knows as much about spiritual leadership as he does about the paleo diet. And second, he needs to quickly find and train a new Dragon Warrior because before he can assume his new lofty position. Uh, wouldn't Tigress? Well, I guess there's something wrong with Tigress where she wasn't quite supposed to be a dragon warrior, but uh, okay. I would think she would be a good candidate. Uh, even worse, there's been a, a recent sighting of a wicked, powerful sorceress, Chameleon, voiced by Viola Davis. Really? Her as a villain? That's that's a change. She's so delightful. Her as a villain would be, a, a, wow, odd. Hmm. Anyways, but that's a tiny lizard who can shapeshift into any creature, large or small. And Chameleon has her greedy, beady eyes on Poe's staff of wisdom, which would give her the power to resummon all the master villains whom Poe has vanquished 
to the spirit realm. So Poe's going to need some help, and he finds it kind of in the form of a cranky, quick-witted thief. Zen, voice by, oh no, voice by Aquafina. A Corsac fox who really gets under Poe's fur. Yeah, she gets under a lot of people's fur. Uh, but whose skills will prove invaluable. In their quest to protect the Valley of Peace from Chameleon's Reptilian Claws, this comedic odd couple duo will have to work together. In the process, Poe will discover that heroes can be found in the most unexpected places. Oh boy. So Dustin Hoffman is back. Uh, James Hong is back. Uh, Brian Cranston as, uh, is back as Poe's birth father. Uh, Ian McShane as Tai Long again. Uh, also, Kihai Kwan is making a, a, an appearance uh, as a new character called Han, who's the leader of the Den of Thieves. This is directed by Mike Mitchell, who has done animations, DreamWorks Animations Trolls and Shrek Forever After. Uh, produced by Rekka Huntley from uh, DreamWorks Animations The Bad Guys. Co director Stephen Mostein from She Ra and the Princesses of Power. Uh, hmm. This is going to be a wait and see for me. I mean, looking at some of the people kind of worked on it, I, you know, I, I was not a fan of the Shrek films. I'd only watched the first one. And I, my problem with the Shrek films is that it was marketed to kids and it clearly was not meant for them with some of the humor that was there was not child friendly. And I don't think you should say all happy meals for something that is not where you make stuff that I don't think is child appropriate. Um, the bad guys, I didn't get around to watching. Uh, trolls didn't look appealing to me. None of I, it's built a lot of people though. Uh, but I, I, I didn't, you know, no, a pop music troll doll thing was not really my thing. So, yeah, I don't see anybody, you know, other than some of the original people coming back that got me excited, especially finding out Aquafina is in it. Oh, oh, I don't know. And I have a feeling what we're doing is we're passing on the Dragon Warrior mant mantra or mantle uh, over to her character, which means they're going to, are they aiming to make more movies with her character or something? I, I no, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I'm out there. I, I'm sorry. Aquafina is not not amusing to me at all. She kind of is just annoying. Every character she plays is annoying to me. So, yeah. All right. Here's something else that I, I don't know what sort of rating this is going to get. It's called Dream Scenario, and it's a very kind of interesting sci-fi film that um, I'm curious to check out. zebra look the way it does so embarrassing hey focus says how what no it's different now paul you've been on my mind recently yeah. because you keep popping up in my dreams you don't do anything you're just there so this specific person the remarkable nobody i've also had that experience do you have a picture Have you been dreaming about me? Have I been dreaming about you? Yeah. There's like a hundred messages. Somebody wants to interview me. This is strange. Maybe you should take a minute and think before you do anything drastic. Why me? Uh, I don't know. I'm special, I guess. How does it feel to go viral? Who's actually had a dream about me? Scaring me, Paul. I'm going to have nightmares. I wish I was the one people were dreaming about. Me too. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's something. 
How's he dealing with all this? We're not even the type of people that like attention, you know? Do you think other people are seeing you naked? Maybe thousands. Mm. I hope I'm behaving through your dreams. Oh, no, you're not. So I'm finally cool, huh? I didn't say that. You hear that, Janet? She's saying I'm a cool dad. Oh, <laughs> I really feel like you're playing with fire here. Zach, ah! please help me! I'm not actually doing anything to them. <laughs> you know, fame can come with some less desirable side effects. You should be prepared for that. Maybe we should cool this thing off. What? What do you mean? It's embarrassing. Which part? I guess I'll see you in my dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so of course not. Thanks. All right, so that's, oh, 5th January. I guess that's already out. Uh, hmm, I'm curious about this. Well, here's what it says. Uh, the PVR Inex Pictures, uh, this is through them in A24. Uh, it says here, hapless family man Paul Matthews finds his life turned upside down when millions of strangers suddenly start seeing him in their dreams. When his nighttime appearances take a nightmarish turn, Paul is forced to navigate his newfound freedom, releasing on 5th of January, 2024. From writer-director Christopher Bar Borgley and starring Academy Award winner Nicholas Cage, Julian Nicholson, Michael Sarah, Tim Meadows, Dylan Galula and Dylan Baker. Uh, this is this. I see this to me as like a science fiction, but I don't know that there's really any science. But it's, I mean, it, it's one of those kind of make you kind of think about it, but yet it, it's amusing you at the same time. Apparently, it's a bit, you know, it's a, got a sense of humor about it because it's there's a lot of comments on on the screen about how Nicolas Cage is actually very funny in this, and you know, Nicolas Cage is usually very entertaining anyway. Um, which is enough to get your attention. Maybe you'd be curious to check this out, right? So, and I think that's kind of where I'm at. It seems like it's it's wanting to say something, but doing it in a story way and not like it's preaching at us, but it's how you know going viral on the internet uh, or whatever could not always be a good thing, right? I think that seems to be what we're saying in a lot of this is like, you know, getting a fame for doing nothing uh, can also turn on you really quick. So... I'm kind of curious what all uh, happens in this film. Uh, apparently it opened on Friday, so it's out there right now. Uh, go check it out. Uh, I'm I'm kind of curious. I would like to check it out myself. So I think that it might be something coming up in my future. But now it's time to turn the corner, and it is time to get into some main content. Uh, going back to the post millennial, there's a lot of stuff. I'm going to, I go through these articles I pulled up in order so we can talk about these. Uh, the original Mickey Mouse Steamboat Willie now in public domain. Now I'm sure you know about this. I'm sure you've been hearing about this everywhere, but what does this mean to you and me? Does this mean that we have some ownership of Mickey or something that we can do anything we want with Mickey? Well, let's, let's, let's examine everything and let's determine what we can do. So this also uh, is embracing the silent version of Plain Crazy because they were both published in 1928. And there's a lot of works that are in, a, in a, that have entered the public domain because they've hit a nine-to-five-year copyright limit. Now, it's important, copyright, right? Okay, uh, and let me read this article to you. It says, early animated Walt Disney movies featuring the first appearance of Mickey Mouse have entered the public domain after nearly a century. Steamboat Willie, as well as the silent version of Plain Crazy, both published in 1928 by Disney, are among a trove of prominent works entering the public domain 
after hitting the 95-year copyright limit. According to The Verge, the public domain version of Mickey Mouse only includes the original black and white sans gloves version of the character. All other versions of the mouse, including the 1940 Fantasia redesign, more closely resembling the modern-day design of the character, are still under Disney copyright. In 1998, the Sonny Bono Copyright Term Extension Act was passed, extending copyright protections for an additional 20 years. The act was dubbed the Mickey Mouse Protection Act, as Disney was one of the many companies lobbying for an extension uh, on the protections leading to limits seen today. And that's not the first time that Disney had done this. Okay, now I'm speaking on my own, not reading. Uh, Disney had went in there because, I mean, the, the uh, copyright was about to expire in, uh, I believe, the 80s with the original. And they've gone to bat uh, at least twice, if not three times, to move this along. And I did see a YouTube video that uh, somebody was asking the question, is, well, why wouldn't they want to extend the copyright on Steamboat Willie? So, well, if they were lose, if they were to lose copyright of Mickey Mouse, uh, he kind of figured, you know, Disney has so many properties right now. And when you look at the overall profit margin of what Mickey Mouse is netting them, it's not very much. And I mean, I, he's almost kind of got a point there, but I don't think that's what's actually going on. Uh, let's go back to the article here. It says, also entering the public domain is Virginia Woolf's Orlando, A.A. Milne's House at Pooh Corner, in which the character Tigger is introduced. J.M. Barry's play Peter Pan, or The Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up, and the original German composition of Three Penny Opera song Mac the Knife. Now, I, I do want to make sure we point out here, okay, so you got Peter Pan and Tigger entering public domain, but this is not the Disney versions of Tigger or Peter Pan. So if you were going to do something with Tigger, it would have to be um, like there. somebody made a horror movie out of Winnie the Pooh, which they could do because the first Winnie the Pooh book has already been in public domain, but notice they didn't try to make it at all resemble Disney at all. It was taking the characters not out of Disney's films, but out of the books. And that's what you would have to do with Tigger. You can't do anything resembling the Disney version of Tigger because they still have copyright of that for when that film was, was published, right? Or released. You could go something based on the Tigger you would find in the books. You could do just a tiger and call it Tigger at this point. And you, yes, you could call it Tigger. You could call your Winnie the Pooh. Uh, you could call it Winnie the Pooh if you do something with that. You could create new stories. And because the only thing on those was copyright, you could create new stories. Now, unfortunately, some people have done that badly in making that horror movie. I don't think that was a good idea. Uh, but you could make new stories. And I would, I would say if you were to do something, new stories with these characters, please be honorable and respectful for the source material. For crying out loud, people. Just because you can ruin something, please don't do it, right? Now, I want to do, uh, I, I almost forgot that I had some articles on some of the origins of Steamboat Willie, and I do want to talk about that as well. Okay, so what I had seen pointed out, somebody had mentioned, you know, of course you could do, there's some rules around parody, and but somebody pointed out that Steamboat Willie is actually a parody itself. And uh, this from uh, from Wikipedia, Steamboat Bill is a 1910 song with music by the vaudeville group The Layton Brothers and lyrics by Ren Shields. No relation that I know of me, by the way, uh, those of you who know my last name, uh, which became one of the first hit recordings in the United States through its 1911 recording by Arthur Collins. Steamboat Bill notably inspired two major works of American film with long-lasting influence, the 1928 Buster Keaton film Steamboat Bill Jr., and, of course, Steamboat Willie with, of course, the first sound Mickey Mouse cartoon. Uh, the song is an extended reference to a famed 1870 race down the Mississippi River between two steamboats, Robert E. Lee and the Natchez. It imagines a fictional steamboat, the Whipper Will, captained by Mr. Steamboat Bill, who is determined to beat the record of the Robert E. Lee. 
He threatens his mates with death if they do not follow his orders and commands them to use the cargo as fuel if they run out of coal. A gambler from Louisville, Kentucky, home of the Kentucky Derby, places a bet against Bill that the Whippoorwill will be unable to beat the record. Bill's obsession with speed causes the steam engine to explode, killing them both. The final verses imagine Bill and the gambler ascending to heaven and his wife telling their children she will seek out a new husband in the railroad industry. Now, uh, let me jump in here and see what I can find about the Buster Keaton movie here. Uh, so this is a 1928 silent comedy film with Buster Keaton, uh, released by United Artists. The film is the final product of Keaton's independent production team and a set of gag writers. 1928, so this is going to be public domain as well. The film was not a box office success and became the last picture Keaton made for United Artists. Keaton ended up moving to Metro Golden Mayor, where he made one last film in his trademark style, The Cameraman, before his creative control was taken away by the studio. Charles Reiner directed the film and then credited story writer was Carl Harbaugh. The film, named after Arthur Collins' popular 1911 recording of the 1910 song Steamboat Bill, also featured Ernest Torrance, Marion Byron, and Tom Lewis. The film is known from what may be Keaton's most famous film stunt. The facade of a house falls around him while he stands in the precise location of an open window to avoid being flattened. In 2016, the film was selected for preservation by the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. The copyright of the film expired in 1956. Hmm, but in 1928, with all the extensions that would have gone on, that's interesting. So here's the plot. It says, William Steamboat Bill Canfield is the owner and captain of a paddle steamer, the Stonewall Jackson, that has seen better days. The King, a new steamer owned by the rich J.J. King, threatens to steal his customers. Canfield receives a telegram saying his son is arriving on the 10 minute or 10 a.m. train, having finished his studies in Boston. Canfield has not seen him for many years. Uh, let's skip ahead. It's gonna, I care, apparently it's going to tell the entire thing. Uh, but it says Canfield meets Bill Jr. at the train station is deeply disappointed in a slight awkward son who is wearing a foppish beret and has a pencil mustache and a ukulele. Uh, so Canfield's ship eventually gets condemned as unsafe. He accuses King of orchestrating it. So it seems like what we're doing is some of the story, but expanding on it. Uh, he assaults his enemy, puts him in jail, prompting his son to tear up his train ticket. Bill Jr. makes a clumsy attempt to help his father escape, but ends up being knocked out by the sheriff in Central Hospital. The cyclone hits, demolishing buildings and endangering the ships. The hospital walls are torn away, leaving Bill Jr. exposed. As he makes his way through the town, a building front falls all around him as an unbroken facade, but Bill Jr. is untouched due to a fortunately placed open window. The jail knockoff of his foundation starts to sink. Where's the thing about a, uh, a steamboat in this? That's interesting. Well, it's considered a box office failure, so, <laughs> but also considered one of Buster Keaton's best. But uh, yeah, this short little bit of plot doesn't say what's going on, and I and I didn't read the whole thing at you. But uh, yeah, so seems like it's a, there's a bet going on, and a tornado, and uh, a foppish sun. So okay, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. All right, moving along though. So yeah, I just thought I would I would touch on that just a bit. Okay, so now let's move on to Deadline story from then. Mickey Mouse horror movie trailer drops. Film uses Steamboat Willie version of character that's now in public domain. So. Uh, they were basically talking, this uh, came out on January 1st. So they're saying at uh, 1201 this morning, early iteration of one of the world's most beloved children's characters entered public domain. Uh, let's get to the whole thing. So this is, uh, so they, you have this, all right. So this, this is a Lasher film that I guess the trailer came out. I haven't looked at this. So we're not going to be going through it on a trailer park. But this trailer is a slasher film. It's called Mickey Mouse Tra Mickey's Mouse Trap. It was posted online. And there's clips from uh, of of Mickey, who's well, someone a slasher, I guess, interspersed with newly shot footage, tells the story of a mask mask wearing killer who stalks college age kids at an arcade. So someone's wearing a a Mickey Mouse mask 
Steamboat Willie style and killing people. Uh, Logline says it's Alex's 21st birthday, but he, she's stuck at the amusement arcade on a late shift, so her friends decide to surprise her, but a mask killer dressed as Mickey Mouse decides to play a game of his own with them, which she must survive. This film was shot, edited, and directed by Jamie Bailey and written by Simon Phillips. The trailer for the Steamboat Willie-inspired horror game Infestation 88 also dropped earlier on that the same day. Where this, So is there a lawsuit in their futures? Now, here's... Uh, they've got some quotes here. So this, you know, but yeah, so this we've got two things coming uh, between this horror movie and this game. Now, they might they might have a better chance of the horror movie, except you cannot refer to this character as Mickey Mouse. You could have somebody who's maybe wearing a mask. I think you might be able to get away with that. As long as you don't refer to it as a Mickey Mouse mask, maybe you'd be all right. But there's something we should go into. Uh, and here's some quotes. It said, more modern versions of Mickey will remain unaffected by the expiration of the Steamboat Willie copyright. And Mickey will continue to play a leading role as a global ambassador for the Walt Disney Company in our storytelling, theme park, attractions, and merchandise. This is a Disney spokesperson. Uh, they said of the do's and don'ts of the, the sound sync film entering the public domain. We will, of course, this is that same spokesperson, continue to protect our rights in the more modern versions of Mickey Mouse and other works that remain subject to copyright. And we will work to safeguard against consumer confusion caused by unauthorized uses of Mickey and our other iconic characters. Uh, the sharpest leg hold drop, this is up reading the deadline article again, the sharpest leg hold dra- trap Disney can still put down to snare anyone trying to encroach on its Mickey territory is perception. Even though the original incarnation of A.A. Mills' beloved character had slipped into public domain in 2022, no one in their right mind truly thought Disney was behind last year's Winnie the, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey and getting into slasher flicks. However, if there was to be a version of Steamboat Willie and or Plain Crazy's Mickey or Minnie that in any way led consumers to believe it came from Disney or even implied as much, the Mouse House lawyer would shut down from that project faster than a nighttime Magic Kingdom parade in a thunderstorm. In fact, appended to the trailer is the following disclaimer. This is not a Disney film or production and is not affiliated or endorsed by Disney in any way. Uh, and it was kind of important that they do that, but I, I'm not sure that it's going to help. I don't know. So the next article, uh, there's, there's the thing about this game. All right. Infestation 88, which... Uh, oh, well, no, this is actually another article. Second Steamboat Willie horror pick from Stephen Lamort unveiled his early take on Mickey Mouse hits public domain. And uh, looking at this picture, it's we're looking at a, a Steamboat Willie Mickey from the back with a knife here. Uh, but this is a Jamie Bailey helmed slasher Mickey Mouse trap. Okay, that was the previous one. Um, and this, oh, look, looky here. The earliest iteration of Disney's beloved children's character Mickey Mouse is in the works from director-producer Stephen Lamont and the producers of Terrifier 2. This was announced, I guess, last Tuesday. Lamort Steamboat Willie Horror Comedy, comedy watches as a late-night boat ride turns into a desperate fight for survival in New York City when a mischievous mouse becomes a monstrous reality. Can a motley crew survive a killer creature with a taste for tourists? In addition to Lamort, producers include Amy Schumacher and Martine Alol, his collaborators on holiday horror The Mean One, as well as Stephen Della Sala and Michael Levy of Terrifier 2 fame. Production is set to kick off this spring. Uh, the mean one was a take on the Grinch. I did see something about that. Um, and uh, I guess that's, a, that's a hit, it hit some sort of public domain where they can do that. Uh, boy, in a statement about his new film, the Mort observed that Steamboat Willie has brought joy to generations, but beneath that cheerful exterior lies the potential for a pure unhinged terror. The project he says he's been dreaming of, and he can't wait to unleash their twisted take on this beloved character to the world. Oh, wow. And he's, he's, he says this project is a simple love of Disney's iconic characters. Okay. Uh, and here, let me go down further in the article. 
Even as Steamboat Willie enters the public domain later and more well-known iterations of Mickey Mouse will remain at the disposal of Disney alone for the time being. The company has clarified Mickey will continue to play a leading role as a global ambassador. Well, this is a quote we've gotten from before. Uh, yeah, they, they do mention and talk about the Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, I'm trying to find this. There's the article. Horror movie, the horror movie. Here's the game. Infestation 88. That's, this is an article from IGN that was shared this week. And the trailer's going to try to play itself, but I do have it muted. So, and since the initial announcement, Nightmare Forge Games has denied claims that the game's title is a neo-Nazi reference. Among the other accusations, they've also renamed the game to Infestation Origins. The original story continues below. That's where I first found out about this uh, on IGN's Instagram page. They had something about this. Uh, I made a comment that's like that, that people need to be aware of trademark. And we're going to get into that later. Like just because the copyright is there, uh, that you still worry about trademark. But when I've made comments, I had someone who said I was, I must be slow. So people were, instead of actually doing their homework and research and like I've done, uh, they wanted to insult me. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to help you out and do you the favor of looking these things up and studying up on this to share this with you to let you understand exactly what all this means. But I'm still, like I said, let's go through some of the stuff that's going on. Uh, so their description of the game in the year 1988, what was thought to be an outbreak of rodents in various locations morphed into something far more sinister. And it says here, sometimes you'll need to fight, sometimes you'll need to run, and sometimes you'll need to hide in a locker. Yeah, we've not that we haven't seen that before. You can set traps and utilize CCTV cameras to try to stay one step ahead of the infestation, and item layouts are randomized in order to help keep matches fresh. So I guess you're doing this as an online game, one to four player survival co-op horror co-op game that aims to infuse nostalgia with terror. Uh, and uh, they've got a, some screenshots of looking at their giant mouse, and, I mean, it's clearly Mickey. Clearly Mickey. You know, of course, he's got a Steamboat Willie hat on. Uh, but they've promised private and public lobbies, character customization, scaling, enemy behavior, and DLSS support. If you're interested, you can, you can go to Infest Origins on, team, on Steam, I mean. So, I mean, here's the thing. Okay, and, you know, based on just copyright alone, this, you wouldn't have any problems. But is there more things to consider? Right? Now, here is another thing. Uh, I, I probably don't need to go through this one because this is Mickey Mouse hitting the public domain, but don't expect to get a free ride on Steamboat Willie. This is also an article from Deadline. It says, as of today, the traditionally protective Walt Disney Company will have to deal with an onslaught of Mickey Mouse parodies, mockeries, and likely other explicit variations as the iconic character slips into public domain. Sort of. Now, let me read this to you. It says, in the sober light, of 2024, Steamboat Willie, the 1928 short that effectively launched the empire that Walt built, can now be used by anyone and everyone. The legal status of Mickey and Minnie Mouse from Steamboat Willie and Plain Crazy from earlier that same year has been long fought over and probably not something to which Disney was looking forward. Yet in a new year that also sees Virginia Woolf... Okay, we know all this other stuff. Uh, the Buster Heaton's The Cameraman, speaking of that, is also in there. Uh, but it says, if you're anticipating a Steamboat Willie free-for-all, think again. Besides Disney being notoriously litigious... The color version of Mickey that came into being in 1935's The Band Concert is a lot different in 2024 than the non-speaking Mickey of Steamboat Willie in 1928. Evolving over the decades, the brand icon, remember that brand icon, that is today's Mickey, has a lot more meat on his bones, is full of many more smiles, has that chirpy voice and far less rough disposition, wears white gloves, and clearly looks a lot less like a rat than the Steamboat Willie Mickey. And to paraphrase MC Hammer, you can't touch that. The more modern versions of Mickey will remain unaffected by the expiration of the Steamboat Willie copyright, and Mickey will continue to play a leading role as the global ambassador for the Walt Disney Company storytelling theme parks 
stuff we've heard before. But here we go. Then, of course, there's the trademark, which is separate from copyright and has no expiration. Uh, I pulled up an article on trademark, but perhaps this article uh, will explain it you know, just as well. Uh, let me continue reading. It says, as defined by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, a trademark is a word, phrase, design, or combination that identifies your goods or services, distinguishes them from the goods or services of others, and indicates the source of your goods or services. Copyright is artistic, literary, or intellectually created works such as novels, music, movies, software code, photographs, and paintings that are original and exist in intangible mediums such as paper, canvas, film, or digital format. Okay, now did you catch the difference between trademark? Word, phrase, design, combination of that that identifies your goods and services. It distinguishes your stuff from others, right? So here's the thing, and uh, I'll go ahead and read, uh, just in case there's anything different. I, I, I found a thing about trademark, I, even Wikipedia. Let me just hop over to that real quick. Just because I want to make sure I'm being as thorough as possible. I think that pretty much said everything. Um, yeah, trademark is a type of intellectual property consisting of a recognizable sign, design, or expression that identifies a product or service from a particular source and distinguishes it from others. A trademark owner can be an individual, business organization, or any legal entity. A trademark may be located on a package, a label, a voucher, or on the product itself. Trademarks used to identify services are sometimes called service marks. Usually when you've got a trademark, you've got either TM or a registered trademark symbol of the R. Mickey Mouse is a registered trademark of the Disney company. The, his head with ears, the silhouette head with ears, is a Disney logo. Mickey Mouse is a brand ambassador, as Disney has said. Mickey Mouse himself, you cannot, call, if you were going to draw a black and white mouse or use it included in somewhere, you could not call him Mickey Mouse. I actually had a little problem because I put the word Disney on a shirt because Disney is a trademarked name. So you can't do that. So you cannot sell products that has something that is, you know, that is clearly Mickey Mouse. He's still trademarked. You can't sell that. You also can't do anything that they think would be damaging to their brand. Now, if you go and you make something with a Steamboat Willie, if you if, if you wanted to recreate like Gene Kelly, how he danced Gene Kelly with with uh, with Jerry Mouse. If you wanted to do something like that and you wanted to dance alongside like a Steamboat Willie. I'm sure Disney wouldn't really have a problem with that. They would think, oh, that's fun. That's cute. But if you turn something that's basically, you can tell it's Mickey Mouse, undeniably Mickey Mouse, into a slasher killer or some sort of monster, that that's Disney with their trademark. should be able to say, you are damaging our brand with our symbol, our logo, our design of Mickey Mouse. You are damaging our company with this. They could still come after you over trademark. So what do I expect to have? I don't know that these uh, these horror movies or this game is going to manage to release. Or if when it does release, I expect the hammer of Disney to come down hard. Cease and desist. Now, you could probably still release this game and maybe redesign your character that looks just like Steamboat Willie. But uh, I, 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 other than that, I think you're hosed. Now, this other movie, The Slasher, where they're wearing a Mickey Mouse mask, you might be able to get away with that as long as you don't refer to that as Mickey. But I don't know. They might consider that a brand thing. Um, I don't know that William Shatner can't, you know, I'd have to look that up. Did William Shatner come after anybody with the mask from Halloween when they found out it was a William Shatner mask that they had kind of modified? Of course, you can't recognize that as a William Shatner mask. That's just something came out to be something we know of later. I don't know if anything ever came of that. I have not done that sort of research. 
But I mean, the the interesting thing is, I'm sure the uh, company that made the original like Ghost Face type masks before Scream probably made a killing with uh, with them using that mask in that movie. That, that worked out to their advantage. But this stuff is not going to work to Disney's advantage, which they could consider probably damages to the company. And I would not be surprised if they do this, if they come after them, right? Now, you can have a license agreement. Uh, there is some usage down here. Uh, uh, this is on the Wikipedia. It says a trademark identifies the brand owner of a particular product or service. Trademarks can be used by others under licensing agreements. For example, Bullyland obtained a license to produce Smurf figurines. The Lego group produced a license from Lucasfilm to be allowed to launch Lego Star Wars. And TT Toys, to- TT Toys Toys, I've not heard of them, uh, is a manufacturer of licensed ride-on replica carts for children. The unauthorized usage of trademarks by producing and trading counterfeit consumer goods is known as brand piracy. The owner of a trademark may pursue legal action against trademark infringement. Most countries require formal trademark registration as a precondition for pursuing this type of actions. And Disney has registered the trademark of Mickey Mouse, right? So don't go willy-nilly and think you're going to get away with anything. Uh, and uh, as, as I wrap this up, uh, there's a great, uh, I, he's worked for Disney. He's a great artist, Dave Alvarez. I follow him on Facebook. Uh, he's been posting about this. And let me just read what he's, he shared with Facebook. He said, first of all, let me assure you that Disney has the mouse very well protected and that their lawyers are sitting there quietly waiting for someone to get out of line. A gray line situation, perhaps. The media has gone crazy proclaiming that Mickey Mouse is in the public domain. Well, that's true, and it's not true at the same time. What's in the public domain? 1928 Steamboat Willie version is, the plain crazy version as well. In short, Mickey in black and white with no gloves. Oh, so that means we all own Mickey Mouse now? No. Mickey Mouse as a character is still protected by the copyright laws and trademark. What's the difference between copyright and trademark? Copyrights primarily protect the rights of people who create literary, dramatic, musical, artistic, and certain other original works like history tests and software code. Trademarks can protect the use of a company's name or its product names, brand identity like logos and slogans. What can't I do? You can't create another black and white mouse and call it Mickey Mouse. You can't market or sell the image of Mickey Mouse, so you'd better shelve those bedsheet and blanket ideas. The copyright law didn't give you a New Year's gift. You don't own Mickey Mouse. You can't use the name Mickey Mouse. What can I do? The public has gained the right to creatively use the first black and white Disney character strictly as they appear in the 1928 animated short film Steamboat Willie, as well as that year's silent version of the short film Playing Crazy. You can use Mickey and Minnie from Steamboat Willie and Playing Crazy, but you cannot use the aggregated later Mickey that, for example, appears in Fantasia. 2024 looks to be a busy year for Disney lawyers. Many don't get this, and I blame the media for half-informing people. The more modern versions of Mickey will remain unaffected by the expiration of the Steamboat Willie copyright, and Mickey will continue to be the Disney symbol, as we all know. Now, he also pointed out he's a symbol. He is a brand logo. So be careful what you do. If you want to do something, make something. You can't put it on T-shirt, blankets, lunchbox, that kind of thing. You could make something. Maybe maybe if you were a, a, a really good at animating some Flash stuff, you want to animate something, yeah, I bet you could do that. As long as it looks the same way, you keep them black and white, you know, keep them with no gloves, and you do something that's, you know, flattering or, or polite to the character and doesn't turn them into something horrible, I'm sure Disney's going to be fine. So you're not damaging our brand. But don't cross that line. Don't test that line is my advice to you. You don't own Mickey Mouse. Okay? So that's what I wanted to you know, make sure that that's clear. Uh, there's a lot more to this than what I think a lot of people are thinking. You can't just go willy-nilly about this. If you want to try to make something, and heck, I 
I think it'd be even fun, like, you know, Lost Boy Philip, who's not on the show. He has kind of his own artistic style, the way he likes to draw things. And he even at one point, um, when Disney bought Marvel, he drew a version of Mickey dressed as Spider-Man, but he did it in his style, so it didn't replicate the Disney style. I mean, you could tell it's supposed to be Mickey in a Spider-Man outfit. Uh, but And he, he put it on a shirt that he wore to Disneyland or Disney World, one of the two. Uh, and, but, you know, and that's fine. And he didn't sell it. He just made a shirt for himself. But see that, that was kind of fine. That was, if you were to do something like that right now, did a black and white picture of Mickey and you, you weren't selling it. You were putting on a, maybe a shirt of your own or something and you're, or you're doing something in a complimentary or, or a way that didn't damage the brand of Disney. I'm pretty sure the Disney lawyers will leave you alone about their trademark, but you know, be careful what you do. And I have a feeling some of these people are trying to make horror stuff out of it. I have a feeling there's going to be some backlash. But that's where I'm going to wrap up the show for you today. We want to, of course, thank Karen Kennedy, Ricky Pope of Christian Nerds Unite, and Darren Wilhite of the Wilhite and Wall Show for helping me with the introduction. Make sure you send us an email, podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Hey, listen to my weekly segment on the Diz Radio podcast, by the way, as well. I didn't get one in this week. I was supposed to get some emails about what people are looking forward to in the new year in a segment. And uh, I, Jonathan did tell me he got some emails, but he... I forgot to forward them to me or something. I don't know what happened there, uh, but I will have a segment for this coming week. I, you know, I'm actually going to cover something similar. I think, I think I want to share a little bit of this uh, interesting information this week, unless there's something more fun he's got coming on the show. I don't know, but make sure you're listening to Diz radio. I do have a segment I do regularly on there. Follow us of course on Twitter and we have a Facebook group that you can join and interact. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you have any plans to try to make something with, Steamboat Willie, we'll say, because you can't do it with Mickey Mouse, but you can do it with Steamboat Willie. Are you going to make something that be fun? Are you going to animate something? You want to you want to dance on Instagram with Steamboat Willie? Do the little Steamboat dance maybe we're on a wheel. You want to do that together with Mickey? Uh, I, I, boy, I, that would be kind of fun because um, you could really maybe lift the frames up. I'm, I'm kind of thinking in After Effects, I might be able to make this happen. I might play with this idea because that would be fun and I'm not doing anything to insult uh, Steamboat Willie, um, which, you know, I'm going to dance with them maybe i might look into that because i might be able to make that happen i'm trying to learn to get better with some stuff on after effects but anyways we're moving right along uh i do want to uh ask you to if you would like to join the neverlanders go to neverlandpodcast.com uh you can pick yourself out a nickname because every last boy or pixie has a nickname and of course why do we have pixies because girls are too clever they don't get lost i do want to remind you about uh, well it's no longer my podcast reviews i have it in my notes still as that i need to fix that uh, it is now under a different name, and I forgot the name. Uh, Podgagement. There we go. Podgagement. If you happen to have a podcast and you want to be able to see your reviews from around the world, this is the place to go. This is also gives you a good way to leave a review if you haven't already. Leave a review for the show. I do appreciate those. They do come to me. I get them emailed for just a low, low price uh, ever, that I pay yearly. Uh, I can get these sent to me. So go and check that out if you click into there. Uh, everything you click on the affiliate link does help me on the show. If you also would like to help out the show, you can go to Patreon. You get exclusive versions of the show without ads other than what I'm reading to you now on our Patreon page. There's a link for that also on the website. Also, look for those links right here. I have the exclusive version through Red Circle, which I'm not putting the ads in because Red Circle is where I put the ads in. And if you go through the exclusive version of the show without the ads, then, uh, you know, that's a nice little subscription way. That also helps me to keep the show rolling, and I do appreciate it. So, uh, I hope we've all learned something here with this episode. I hope you all enjoyed this. We had some fun kind of going into it and kind of thinking about uh, different, maybe fun things we might do with Steamboat Willie without getting ourselves in trouble. Uh, but until next time, get lost. In an adventure! Heck, take an adventure with Steamboat Willie. Mm-hmm.
spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.